Why are you guys wearing name tags? She says she has trouble remembering things. We're supposed to wear them at all times, and she's getting us up to the butt crack of dawn to tidy up the garage. Nicole, I have to call you back. All right, bye. I really don't think I can live like this. Okay, I'll talk to her. It's time we let her know. Yeah, we outnumbered her. Let's kick some ass. What? And I don't want your friends hanging around my house. Right. Mow the lawn today, and don't forget to do the dishes, okay? Bye. This is done, man. TV rock your brain. Whenever we're not alone, or I'm on the phone, and I ask you something, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm right on top of that, Rose. Okay? I get to get up at 5.30 every morning so I can beat rush hour traffic and go sit behind a desk for eight hours and miss Oprah Winfrey every day on my Sunday week. And then I get to drive home in gridlock in a Volvo with no air conditioning just so I can take care of you guys and put food on the damn table. It's a rat race and it sucks, Kenny. So what do you want, a medal? Welcome to Sweet Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great despite the fact that I am very congested. So hopefully you guys will forgive me for recording a podcast when I'm congested. But you know what? It's been a while since I've recorded a new episode. And uh, man, I, I got to get on track to that road to 100 episodes. So I can't be jacking around. You know, I can't let no sickness or congestiveness stop me from doing an episode especially this one because this one is really cool because there's been a lot of fun stuff that's happened a lot of new emailers which is pretty cool we got some new stl nation people up in this house i got a really awesome spotlight song that i'm very excited for you guys to check out and hear and also some underground hour updates Uh, emails have come in on that on the name your tune so i gotta give you guys the update on who won and who didn't and all that other fun stuff and just overall I just wanted to do an episode, so please forgive the uh, nose congestion, I promise. Hopefully it will get better as we go. I got some Arizona sweet tea here because you know what? I'm not a drinker, but when I do drink, I drink Arizona sweet tea. You know that guy that that does those stupid beer commercials, you know, and there's those funny Facebook pictures of the guy that says, when I don't do this, it's, you know, I do this, be, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, it's that... I think it's Heineken or some crap like that. Anyways, I, I just kind of had to make that joke. Well, before we roll into the review of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, let's roll into some movie and music news.
sickness Then the shock when you flip it on me So hollow, so vicious So afraid I couldn't let myself see That I could never be held Back up, no, I hold myself Check the rep, yep, you know my well Forget the rest, let them know my hell Damn it back, yet my soul ain't sell Kept respect up, the best they fell Let the rest be the tale they tell Alright, so first up in movie and music news, actually, it's not really new since, you know, I haven't recorded a movie episode since January 6th with Weird Science. Uh, just to give you guys a little heads up real quick, if some of you out there don't check out the Underground Hour, which, if you don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, I mean, don't, I mean, everybody loves music, and every episode, I got some real diverse tracks on there, so I'm not asking you to like every single tune, but there's at least going to be one or two songs that you're going to like out of every episode, but if you refuse to listen to it, that's your choice, it's all good in the hood, but on the last Underground Hour episode that I uploaded, I gave you guys a little insights on why I've been... Uh, why it's taking me so long to do a new episode and that's because right after i did weird science jameson and i recorded changing channels podcast and we did monday night raw where we did 20 years of reviewing wrestling and uh it was the most editing i have ever done in an episode it took me like four days to complete it i mean it's the hardest episode i've ever had to work on and then shortly after that my friend ryan over at the d2r podcast i was on his podcast a few times talking about wrestling and stuff and then, of course, my kids got pink eye. So it's just been real crazy. So that's why you actually haven't had a movie review, you know, in almost a month. So I apologize for that. But things are going to work out good. After this episode, you will hear what I have planned. Um, a little bit of changes are away. You know, the whole Lethal Weapon and the Rocky series and Never Back Down and then Karate Kid, that's all going to play. The only change up is uh, the next movie is supposed to be House Party. Uh, and then the mystery movie which was hiding out so I'm going to talk about those two uh, movies when we get towards the end of the show just to give you guys a little heads up on uh, what some of my thoughts are on that but that's why essentially uh, it's been a little while because I've actually recorded three podcasts within the past month but of course they weren't STL so I apologize for that so let's move on to the news section where obviously this isn't new other podcasts have covered it, and that's the Star Trek J.J. Abrams situation. So, uh, people are probably asking my thoughts. What are your thoughts on J.J. Abrams being, you know, the director of the new Star Wars? I like it. Funny enough, I've never actually seen the new Star Trek. I've heard amazing things since I've never been a Star Trek fan. I've heard great things, and from day one, when people talked about picking a director for Star Wars, I've always heard J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams. And now that it finally came into play, a lot of my friends are happy, and I'm actually happy because it sounds like this guy is a really good director. Super 8 was really good, so I really enjoyed that style, and and I think he'll do a really good job. But the thing that I like the most is the fact of you're taking a Star Trek director and bringing him into Star Wars. So it's Battle of the Nerds, Battle of the Geeks, you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars, where now worlds are colliding in a way, which is pretty, pretty cool. 
So all in all, I am excited to hear the news. I think it's great that he is the director. So I am looking forward to what we are going to get delivered. It's pretty awesome. Uh, other news, Emily Van Camp from Revenge. Uh, Revenge is one of my favorite shows. If you guys know on Change Channels on the year-end review, I talked about you know my favorite TV shows. And Revenge was definitely up there. I think it was like my number my number three. Well, anyways, anyways, the main actress of that show, Emily Van Camp, has been cast in Captain America, the new movie. And I'm excited, man, because I love her. I think she's great. And I'm very excited to see what she will do in Captain America. And I'm hoping she lives so that way she can move into Avengers 2. I think that would be pretty awesome. Maybe she will be Captain America's new love interest. I don't know. But she's a really solid actress. You probably might remember her earlier days from like Everwood. If you ever watched the show uh, Glory Days. It was on WB. It was kind of right after Buffy. It was kind of like a horror type mystery show. And then eventually she went on to go to Revenge. So I'm very excited that Emily Van Camp has been cast in the new Captain America movie. She's really solid and very, very happy to see what she takes and does with the role. It's going to be good times. All right. So all you uh, Transformer fans out there, and as you guys know, Michael Bay is essentially now been confirmed he's doing a new set of trilogy, I guess, for Transformers. I thought it was going to be Transformers 4. But this guy is planning on doing a new set of trilogy. Now, it's not officially confirmed if he's doing 5 and 6, but he's definitely doing 4, as you know. And he kind of gave an update on the story, in a way, of what's going, you know, what's going on. So here's what he had to say. He said that we're going to start off smaller. There's a brand new cast to freshen the franchise. We've redesigned everything from top to bottom. The history of the first three films is still there. We start four years later, and there's a reason why... We are meeting a new cast. So what does that mean? Number one, Optimus Prime and Bumblebee aren't going to be looking like the way they did in the other three films. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Uh, I think I need to see some pictures, all that fun stuff. But I, I'm kind of numb, to be honest with you. I thought ending it with three was the best way to go. I can't, and I'm, let's put it this way. You guys know that I'm like The Rock's biggest fan on the face of the planet, okay? We're not even going to talk about him winning the WWE Champion because it's me against all my friends, okay? They're all pissed off. I'm the only one that's excited that he won, so whatever, okay? Uh, But if I don't want to see a Rock movie, that tells you how bad it's got to be. And that would be Pain and Game. And that's the movie that has Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, you know, and Michael Bay directed the film, and The Rock's in the movie, and it's based on a true story. These bodybuilders that go and I think rob a place or something like that. Anyways, I don't want to see that movie. It looks like trash, you know. And the biggest reason is Marky Mark's in it. I don't like that guy. I've never liked the movie that he's ever been in. I mean, Max Payne was okay, but it wasn't phenomenal, you know. And the fact of he is now taking the lead of the Transformers movies really sucks because you know say what you will about Shia LaBeouf but at least the guy had somewhat of screen presence or charisma I mean at least he had somewhat of blood flowing through his veins what does Marky Mark has I mean does he really have acting chops you know if you will so I don't know man I've never been a fan and I'm very numb when it comes to Transformers 4 I really could care less 
I'm almost to the point where unless the trailers are absolutely mind-blowing, it's going to be hard for me to get excited for this movie. So, And the biggest reason is because of Marky Mark. So there you go. So that's kind of my thoughts on the whole Transformers 4 thing. We will see how it goes. And if you, you guys know, I absolutely love the Transformer movies. I mean, number three is my favorite, then number one, and then number two. But number four, I just kind of feel is like, what's the point? You know? Now, uh, a movie I am very excited for is Fast and Furious 6. As of yesterday, it was officially confirmed what the title was going to be. A lot of us thought it was going to be Fast 6, but in fact, they have changed the title to Fast and Furious 6. Now, that's because the Super Bowl is today, and they are going to finally release the, the teaser trailer of this movie. There's going to be actually four rock commercials today. There's going to be the Snitch commercial, there's going to be G.I. Joe, Fast 6, and then a Milk commercial. So I think that's kind of funny. But here's the thing. They've actually... Um, if you know Han, he is in a new movie with Sylvester Stallone called Bullet to the Head. I'm actually going to go see that Monday. I'm looking forward to it. So I'll give you guys my thoughts on that. Jameson actually saw it last night. He thought it was okay. He, he was actually expecting more. He was kind of disappointed. So I'm hoping I'm not going to be disappointed. But anyways, Han gave the description of what the movie is going to be. And I've always wondered myself, why is Rock's character, a.k.a. Uh, Hobbs. Why is he working with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker's group? Because, you know, at the end of Fast Five, he's all about, I'm going to get you and we're, and we're good to go. But we know, spoiler alert, we know that Letty is alive and that she is the main focus of this new movie. So here's essentially what's the plot synopsis of the movie. Okay, so after, you know, spoiler alert, after they got their $100 million that they got from the kingpin of the last movie, everybody's pretty much scattered across the globe. But their inability to return home and living forever on their land has left their lives incomplete. So Hobbs, aka Rock, has been tracking an organization of lethally skilled mercenary drivers across 12 countries. Who, guess what? That would be Michelle Rodriguez is the main, you know, the main ruthless second in command, uh, which of course would be Dom's love. Now the only way to stop the criminal outfit is to outmatch them on a street level. So... Hobbs asked Dom to reassemble his elite team in London. What's the payment? Full pardons for all of them so they can return home and make their families whole again. So here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this now. There will be a Fast 7. When this script was created, Vin Diesel had a humongous script and the studio said, there's no way we can fit this in one movie. It's going to be broken out into two films. I was cool with that. As you guys know, Fast Five essentially reinvented the series. It essentially changed it from a street racing films to a heist films. So Fast Five, Six, and Seven were part of that new heist, uh, you know, storyline. However, it still incorporated everything from the past. Now, this sounds like this is going to be the last film, especially when you read the poster. The poster says all roads lead to this, which kind of scares me. Because as you guys know, in Tokyo Drift, Han is dead. Okay, But Tokyo Drift, Tokyo Drift technically takes place after all of these movies. So does that mean in this movie, Han dies? So that way, uh, the storyline can catch up and then Fast 7 will be the final film to wrap everything up. It's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen, which sucks. Because I really enjoy Han, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense because... You can't have 
you know, if you want to wrap up the, the, the series, do you really want Tokyo Drift to be your wrapping up of the series? No, I, I wouldn't either. So it kind of makes sense if they want to pull the Tokyo Drift storyline into play on this one, and I'm down for that. And then it makes sense, of course, why uh, Dom and, and Hobbs and all them, why they're all working together. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Of course, G.I. Joe is going to be another big movie. That's going to be fun. I heard that uh, Channing Tatum still dies, but just takes a little bit longer. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, overall, though, man, I'm looking forward to these trailers today. We're going to get some Iron Man 3. We're going to get, uh, I think we get to see Thor. I'm not for sure. Uh, but I know for sure we get to see Iron Man 3, Fast 6, uh, G.I. Joe. You know, we're going to see a lot of different trailers today. I'm looking forward to it. Now, uh, now this kind of is a little bit different than movie news. But I recently, as of two days ago, I bought what says on the box, Bruce Willis is John McClane Die Hard. 25th Anniversary Blu-ray Collection. Now, this thing is awesome. I went to Walmart, was buying some you know food for the kids and stuff and i look at the movies and there it is bruce willis on the front cover it says bruce willis is john mcclain die hard and it's a five disc set now here's what's cool this thing's only 33 bucks and you get all all four films with the special features so if like i think it was a two disc set for like the other films that's all included on the blu-ray and then the fifth disc is essentially called decoding uh die hard which has like seven new featurettes and it's the, all the stars of the film uh, they go behind the scenes to talk about it. it's really really cool so I highly recommend that if you are a fan of the Die Hard series most of you out there do not like part four guess what I love part four I'm gonna throw that out right now so and of course I realize I am in the minority there most people hate four but it's too bad for you not too bad for me because I have four movies I love and you only have three. So, but whatever. I'm excited for number five. My wife and I, we never do anything for Valentine's Day, but for Valentine's Day, we're going to go see part five. A good day to die hard. That's what we're going to be doing on Valentine's Day. It's going to be fun. But I do highly recommend, even if you are not a fan of part four, which is fine, this is still a great set because when you open it up, it's kind of like a book and each movie has its own page with like scenes from it and the discs look really cool and even the the fifth disc is really great with all these featurettes and stuff so i i really recommend that if you are a fan of the first three die hard films and maybe you're in the minority like myself and you like number four get this set it's pretty awesome it's only 33 bucks for five discs it's pretty awesome so now, uh, a little bit more updated movie news, and then we'll roll into music here. I think my uh, biggest excitement that's happened in the past couple weeks is I found out who's going to be in the new X-Men film. As you know, X-Men, um, the first class sequel, is essentially a time travel film, which is going to uh, put the old cast and the new cast together. Well, I just found three new people that have been added to that list. And boy, am I excited. There's a new show on TV called The Following. It's a Kevin Bacon show, and it's pretty hardcore. Kevin Williamson actually created the show, wrote it. You guys know Kevin Williamson, the brilliance behind that guy. The Following is my new favorite show. It's really hardcore. I mean, it's surprising when it's on TV. One of the guys in there is Sean Ashmore, which a.k.a. is Iceman from the X-Men films. And actually, believe it or not, Iceman is my favorite X-Men. Uh, I mean, obviously Wolverine is after that became uh, Iceman. 
So when I found out he's going to be back for the new film, I was ecstatic. I was jumping up and down. I'm like, not only do I get to see this guy on TV, but I get to see him in the new X-Men film. And then good old Rogue, uh, good old uh, Anna Paquin from True Blood fame, she's returning as well. So that's going to be great. And Kitty Pryde is coming back. And I guess Kitty Pryde's role is going to be extended. So either way, this is getting more exciting by the day. And it feels like this movie will be almost, they would have to work hard to screw this movie up because there's so many people attached to it and Brian Singer is back and all these guys I don't think would sign on for something that's going to be crap so to me it feels like they're going to have to work their absolute hardest to screw this up so I hope I am I you know I hope I'm right and I hope they don't screw it up we shall see what happens but that was very exciting news for me that I uh, that I found out last week. And for the uh, final bit of movie news, um, Paul Giamatti is actually set to play Rhino in Spider-Man 2. Now, Paul Giamatti, I mean, the name sounds familiar. He's usually a guy that's a very great and wonderful uh, supporting character. And when I heard the news he was going to be cast as Rhino in Spider-Man 2, I was pretty excited. And uh, finally... Um, you know, I don't really have too much to say about that. Just that I'm excited. It sounds good. And I think he'll, he'll do great. The Star Wars 3D releases have been delayed. Essentially, they want to go forward with the new movies and not focus on the old stuff. So chances are these movies have been canceled. You're probably not going to see them hit the light of day in the theater as 3D. But are you really going to complain about it? I'm not. So... Well, that is it for uh, movie news. So let's roll in real quick to some updated music news I have for you. Okay, now in music news, uh, I'm not going to talk about the charts this week. I just want to touch on uh, one topic that I thought was kind of interesting. And it's kind of been all over the news. As you guys know, uh, President Obama has uh, recently had his inauguration. And uh, Beyonce was the person that was singing for him. And as you know... Beyonce is supposed to sing at the Super Bowl tonight. Now, there originally was, uh, she was caught lip syncing to, I guess, like a backtrack at the inauguration and she denied it and then later came out right before, I think it was two days ago, before the announcement of the Super Bowl and said, yeah, I was lip syncing. So, you know, she said that she wanted everything to be perfect and so on and so forth. So, here's the thing. How do you guys feel about the whole lip syncing, you know, situation? I mean, really, you know, in my mind, when I go to a concert, I want you to be playing the music live. Now, I understand there's certain songs that have to have some sort of back, you know, uh, backtrack. You know, like maybe it's you're the only person in your band that does the vocals. And as you know, on a CD you can record your vocals more than once. So let's say you're in a chorus and you your line actually repeats your, repeats over another line that you're singing. So normally, you would have somebody else in your band live sing that part. So for example, uh, like Evanescence, wake me up, you know, uh, wake me up inside, and then you have somebody say, wake me up. You know, and it's like they're, they're constantly contradicting, you know, going one over the other. Well, if you're the only person in the band, you can't do that yourself. So in, the, in those cases, I understand when you have a background track of your voice to go over your voice, which is fine. 
Now, I honestly don't think these Super Bowl events are actually sung live. I think they're all pre-recorded because you got so much dancing and fireworks and all this stuff going on. I think that they purposely do that. So is Beyonce going to do it again? She says she won't. I really don't care. But I honestly think that all of these, uh, you know, Super Bowl halftime shows that they're all pre-recorded and uh, I don't think when you go on like Jane Leno or nighttime stuff that those are essentially are pre-recorded I think those are done live but I think like these big events you know I understand where Beyonce's coming from where she didn't want anything to be screwed up she wanted this to be perfect she was very nervous which I mean how could you not be nervous when you're you know uh, whether you like the president or not, the fact that you're there and you're singing and you got all these, you know, armed guys around you and all these big notch government people, you'd be freaking out too. So I understand where she was coming from. I don't give her any crap for it, but I know a lot of people have been giving her crap for it. And kind of in my opinion, it makes sense for those big situations to do it. But if I am paying money to watch you perform, if I find out that you are using, that you're lip singing all your songs, I'm going to lose respect for you and I'm not going to listen to you anymore. That's where I draw the line at with the whole lip syncing thing. And I'm just wondering if that's kind of where you guys are at too. So let me know. Shoot me an email. Give me your thoughts. Now, I'm going to end music news here. It was the only news I had, but there was another topic I want to talk about. Something I haven't talked about in a while. And that's some video game news. I want to play a game. Alright, so video game news this is something I haven't done in a while, but I kind of want to give you guys some updates on stuff I've been playing, some news I have for you, all that good stuff. Now, God of War Ascension comes out next month. Now, God of War is uh, probably my second favorite title next to Batman Arkham City, and I'm just talking the whole entire series, I'm not just talking one particular title. Now, uh, God of War, essentially, it deals in, like, ancient Greece, but you're Kratos, you're essentially, uh, you know, you're the you're the anti-hero, you're just the guy that's pissed off and kills everything in your sight because you want to kill Zeus, who's your dad, and you kill all the gods so you can become the God of War. It's just, it's real crazy storyline, but essentially, they use uh, ancient uh, Greek mythology into the games, but what makes it so appealing is the stuff that you can do in it with magic and weapons and tearing people's heads off and animals and ripping their guts out i mean it's real disgusting and nasty so if you are have a weak stomach you definitely could handle the game but kratos is the ultimate fanboys anti-hero now if you're watching the super bowl tonight you are going to see a god of war commercial it's actually going to be a live action commercial which is pretty cool this guy looks pretty good just like he looks pretty close to kratos I'm excited for this game that comes out next month. Uh, if you have been lucky enough to order it early, you can get the Kratos statue, which is pretty awesome. Now, God of War is a PS3 exclusive, so if you are one of the unfortunate people of this planet Earth who do not have a PlayStation 3, I feel sorry for you. Uh, I send my thoughts and prayers to you that, unfortunately, you have the Xbox 360. But if you have the PS3, then congratulations. You're awesome. So anyways, I'm just messing about the Xbox stuff. But anyways, uh, God of War is a really fun title. Now, exclusiveness do kind of suck sometimes because there are a lot of Xbox people out there that would love to play the God of War games. Just like the PS3 people, they cannot play uh, like the Halo games and stuff like that. 
Exclusiveness makes sense because it makes you want to buy their system. But if you have a game that's just flat out phenomenal, it's just kind of a shame that both systems can't play them. Which, you know, it is what it is, right? But anyways, God of War Ascension is the title that I'm looking forward to next month. I have uh, pre-ordered the Ultimate Edition, so I'm getting the statue. I'm looking forward to it. The only thing I'm hoping for is uh, with God of War 3... Graphically speaking, I thought it was the best looking game I had ever seen in my life, but the game only lasted 8 hours. I'm hoping that God of War Ascension lasts longer than 8 hours. I want at least a 12-13 hour game. You know, if I'm paying $60 for 8 hours, that really, really sucks. So that's my only fear with pre-ordering the game before I play it, but I'll take my chances. Now, the game I wanted to talk to you guys about was Resident Evil 6. Now, this game... I really love it's really great now unfortunately this game has been getting a lot of crap and here is the thing with Resident Evil 6 now if you are a fan of the Resident Evil series especially if you played number four number five number four was when they reinvented the series and you had the older the over-the-shoulder red light gun uh, you had Leon in that game number five stepped it up to where it was a ps3 thing not a ps2 thing anymore and you got to be Chris now, Resident Evil 6, the reason why this game appealed to me so much, I played Raccoon, um, I played Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. That game was terrible. Man, I rented it, I played it for a day, and I thought it was terrible, I thought it was a piece of crap, and I never, I never touched it again. That game's terrible. Don't touch that game. But, for Resident Evil 6, there's three storylines. First, you have Leon. You can play as Chris, and then you get Jake. Now, Jake is a new character. Jake is essentially Albert Wesker, which is the guy that Chris fought in Resident Evil 5. He is the son. Now, he, the reason he's so important is his blood essentially can cure the uh, the virus that's going around. But the cool thing with Jake's character, most people wouldn't want to play it. They want to play Leon and Chris because they're familiar. Jake is awesome because he does martial arts in the game. And that is awesome. Not only do you get more health and, and just as much weapons with him, but you get to do martial arts. It's so cool when I do like a jump kick and I kick a dude's head off. It's awesome. So I really enjoy Resident Evil 6. I've officially beaten Leon's story. I've beaten Chris's story and I've beaten Jake's story. Then when you do that, you unlock Ada. And uh, Ada, unfortunately, I had to give up on because Ada, even on like normal level, which I always play my games on normal, was ridiculously hard. I couldn't even pass the first level. It was, it was so hard. So I went back and I went back to be to start the game over again as Leon, and I got all my weapons and stuff. I didn't do infinite ammo because that's kind of cheating. It's kind of stupid when you have infinite ammo because the point of Resident Evil is to. Uh, manage your weapons it's like the walking dead you got to manage your weapons and you got to save your bullets and and not waste anything and it really makes you use your mind and your instincts so i love it leon's game is very dark as in like the color the color is very dark it's very hard to see zombies so it's got a really good scary feeling to it when you play chris's game since chris is the army guy and you have all his troops and stuff it's very action-packed it's a lot of blowing stuff up rocket launchers big crazy thousand foot monsters awesome uh and then when you play as jake you get the mixture of two because he has martial arts you get half the weapons a lot of times you're trapped in like buildings and stuff and you gotta escape so like uh you'll have lasers you have to jump over it's just it's really adventurous it's more like a james bond kind of style game so the reason why resident evil 6 is great 
is because the three different storylines are three different games and you get it all in one game. So now you can go to GameStop and buy the game for like 30 bucks and it's well worth the money. There's a lot of criticism on this game and I think it's unfair. I really enjoyed it. The only thing that I would say my complaint is on this game is the fact of the uh, number one, they fixed the run and, and gun thing. You know how like you can only shoot your gun but you can never run? Now you can run and shoot your gun. In fact, you can actually reload while you're running. There's no more like map, it's just numbers now. So as the numbers go smaller, that means you're getting closer. So you don't have no more maps on there. And in fact, uh, for you to do your weapons change, you just hit the triangle button and you can change all your weapons while you're walking and stuff. So it's really cool. But they have a new hiding technique where you hide behind stuff and can shoot. That doesn't work. So don't ever try that. If you ever try that, you will die. Uh, your partner is way better than your partner ever was before. You, They heal you faster. They're very smart. They actually kill a lot of enemies for you without you having to do anything. So I really enjoy the, the characters. The storyline is great. The graphics look awesome. So I highly recommend if you want to do any new game, get Resident Evil 6. So that is it for video game news, guys. Let's roll into the movie review of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. When's your mom leaving for Australia? Oh, in about an hour and a half. She's leaving you guys all alone. I'm getting rid of her for two whole months. I can go to the beach, I can stay out as late as I want, I can do anything. I'm a free woman. Hi. Hello, dear. I'm a steward. I'm a babysitter. What? All right, you little maggots, now line up. Are you serious? I'll make your summer a living. TV rats your brain. It's time we let her know the rules. Yeah, we outnumber her. Let's kick some butt. This is Sturak. Mr. Sturak? Oh, my God. She died in her sleep. They'll probably blame us. Hey, be careful. I got her. No, I mean my skateboard. Don't tell Mom the babysitter's dead. Rock and roll! Now, Christina Applegate and her brother... What? Bounce back. For a summer with... Have my baby. No rules. In your dreams, babe. No curfews. No nagging. No pulse. Oh, how you doing, Mom? No, Mrs. Durack's not here. She, um... She went to the yarn store. So, what do you guys want for breakfast? Cheese omelet. SpaghettiOs. Breakfast is served. Mow the lawn today, and don't forget to do the dishes, okay? Ah! Dishes are done, man. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. All right, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. So I'm very excited to talk this movie. Uh, over at Change Channel's podcast, as you guys know, last month we had a vote up. Uh, Mary with Children versus uh, Monday Night Raw. We thought for sure Monday Night Raw would lose. We didn't think anybody would want to listen to wrestling. We thought Married with Children would win. Therefore, talking about Christina Applegate on that show would coincide with this episode since Christina Aguilera, uh, not Aguilera, Christina Applegate stars in this film. But, of course, that didn't happen. So, unfortunately, you didn't. Uh, I'll kind of touch base a little bit on the comparisons between her character 
in Mary with Children versus her character in this movie. I'll kind of touch base on that. But essentially, this film, uh, this came out in 1991. And uh, the basic plot of the film is uh, Christina Applegate's character is a teenager whose mom leaves for this summer vacation in Australia. It uh, She's gone for about two months. Now, um, there's five siblings all together. There's her and, and you know, her uh, three brothers, one sister. And they get this uh, terrible babysitter. She's real strict and she's real elderly, real crazy. And uh, the babysitter suddenly dies in her sleep. Uh, but Christina Aguil- um, Applegate's character, I don't know why I keep calling her Aguilera. It's because I got her songs in my head, I guess. But really, she needs to become the uh, the head of household to keep the freedom of no having parents around. So she's got to get a job and, and chaos ensues. So here's really what happens uh, as a brief summary in the film. And then we'll get into you know the normal what I like, what I didn't like. So your basic characters in this film, you have Keith Coogan. Which Keith Coogan, uh, as you know from my first episode, was Adventures of Babysitting. He was Daryl, which he'll be in the next uh, you know film review that I do, which is Hiding Out. I'll talk about that when I get towards the end of the film. Uh, we have Daniel Harris, which I absolutely love. Daniel Harris was in uh, the Halloween movies, Halloween 4 and 5. She was Jamie, and uh, she's, she's just great. David Duchovny is actually in here. If you guys remember Kindergarten Cop, you know the mom whose son was being abused. She's in this film. So here's what happens in this film. So we have uh, Christina Applegate's character named Sue Ellen. She's 17 years old. So, of course, you know, she's graduated from high school. Now, due to the lack of funds, uh, she cannot go to Europe to summer with their friends. They established that in the beginning of the film. So Sue Ellen, of course, remains optimistic about what's going to happen during the summer because, you know, for two months, mom's gone. She's going to have freedom. Uh, her brother, Kenny, which is played by uh, Keith Coogan, he's a stoner. You have Tomboy Melissa, which is Daniel Harris. She's awesome. If you remember her in The Last Boy Scout, she would swear a lot. She doesn't swear as much in this, but when she does, it's always funny. Then you have uh, Zach. He's kind of like a, 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 a wannabe ladies' man. And then you just have Walter, who, uh, if you remember the movie Suburban Commando, that crappy movie with Hulk Hogan, he's in that film. Uh, he's also in another film. Uh, what Man, what's the other film he's in? I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me later. But anyways, so those are the uh, those are the siblings that we have in this film. Good times. So essentially what happens is, is that uh, the mother, she wants a vacation. She's been a mom for 37 years, and she's going to be going to Australia. Now, much to uh, Suzanne, uh, you know, to Sue Ellen, she thinks she's going to be, you know, she's going to be the living babysitter. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. She hires, uh, you know, Mrs. Sturak. She's supposedly this sweet, humble old woman, assures, you know, Mrs. Crandall that she's going to take care of all five children. But as soon as she leaves, her true colors show and she turns into a royal, you know, the B word, if you will. So anyways, uh, eventually Sue Ellen and her siblings find out that uh, Mr. Egg died in her sleep and it's because she walked into Kenny's room. Uh, she saw the nipples, you know, it, she saw a lot of boobies up on the posters, but the nipples were covered. But she saw like trash and, and death metal playing and Satan all over. So, of course, I mean, of course, it's going to give her a heart attack. So that's really why she died in her sleep. But when they find out, 
that uh, she died in her sleep. Uh, they don't want to tell the authorities because if they do that, of course, their mother would find out, which, of course, would ruin their summer. So they all agree that they're going to stuff the babysitter in the trunk, drop her off at the local funeral home, and, of course, have a nice note attached that says, nice old lady inside died of natural causes because that's just a nice thing to do, of course. So they discover that the envelope given to Mrs. Sturak uh, by their mother with the, you know, it had summer money in there and it's empty. And you find out kind of later that Mrs. Sturak is the one that actually had it. So, of course, finding out that uh, Mrs. Sturak, you know, that, you know, that the envelope is empty. They're wondering what are they going to do with themselves because they have no money. How are they going to survive? So with no monies to pay the bills, Sue Ellen and, uh, you know, and her brother, they flip a pizza and she loses. So she has to get a job. So the first thing she does is she goes to a fast food restaurant, as all teenagers would do. And the name of the place is called Clown Dog. Now, she uh, she does get into kind of a relationship with uh, her co-worker named Brian. She does quit because she has this obnoxious manager. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. But uh, Sue Ellen then decides that she's going to create a resume. And, uh, you know, she's just going to copy it out of the book. And she's going to pretend to be some young fashion designer. And she applies at this place called GAW, which stands for General Apparel West. And she's hoping to secure a job as a receptionist. But we have Rose come in and... Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, before I even get into it, Rose is the heart and soul of this movie. Without this particular character, this movie would not work. And I will explain that in further detail when I get there. But let me just go through this. So Rose, she is the company executive. She finds the resume. And she's so impressed with what Sue Ellen put down that she offers her her executive administrative assistant, as they like to say in the film. Because the actual receptionist there currently is supposed to move up to that position. But she hates that chick. Uh, her name's Carolyn, which, a.k.a., is the brother of the guy that Sue Ellen actually likes. And they hate each other, Sue Ellen and Carolyn. And uh, she doesn't want her, so she immediately has Sue Ellen take the job. Now, at GAW, Sue Ellen has to balance adult responsibilities and uh, still try to enjoy herself as a teenager. That's kind of where the fun begins. So she has this double life. And, of course, it causes strain on her relationship with Brian that, you know, builds throughout the film. And then when she discovers that uh, Brian and Carolyn are brother and sister, kind of puts some tension between them, of course. Now, Sue Ellen does find herself uh, tested when she learns that uh, GAW is in danger of going out of business. So what she does is, you know, she's a fashion chick. You know, that's that's her thing. She decides that she's going to create a new clothing line, suggests it to Rose, and Rose absolutely loves it and decides, why don't we hold a fashion show to exhibit the new designs? And, of course, Sue Ellen offers to host the party because there's this thing called Petty Cash, which plays a huge, huge role in this movie. And... That's why she hosted at the house because she saw a lot of petty cash money, so she can't afford to buy it any to rent any place. Now she convinces her siblings that if she doesn't, if they don't help clean the house, she is going to turn them in, and they're all going to go to jail. So they're all like, "I'm down for that. Let's clean the house. It's all good in the hood," kind of thing. So uh, she manages to pull off the party, which uh, so good. We'll, we'll get there in a minute. Well. In reality, you think that she uh, she pulls off the party, 
But really what happens is is that uh, it comes to an end when uh, Brian unexpectedly shows up to apologize for breaking up earlier in the film. And then, of course, the mom comes home early from Australia and their cover is blown. Sue Ellen has no choice, but she's got to confess, uh, confess, tell the truth to everybody. And, uh, man, that's when... That's when things get really, really crazy. I mean, of course, this is the end of the film, but here's how it gets crazy because it gives you an ending that you're not expecting. Really what happens is is that, um, you know, apologizing to Rose after the party, Sue Ellen learns that uh, her unique designs actually saved the company and that they didn't care that uh, Rose uh, hired, you know, in fact, she got complimented for hiring a teenager, getting, you know, a teenager's perspective on things and uh, she actually offers Sue Ellen a real job as her personal assistant but you know she actually declines in favor to going into college first so Sue Ellen and Brian uh, they make up and then they get interrupted by the mob that says you know what happened to the babysitter so then of course you get towards the end you cut away to a cemetery where the guys that originally took in uh, the, uh, the the box that the babysitter was in they they buried her and uh, they just talk about how great she is because she left them all that money and on the grave they put nice old lady inside died of natural causes and then the movie ends so that's essentially what happens throughout this film now there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about so so let's get there first up I want to talk about Christina Applegate now Christina Applegate made a history of herself of looking like the the dumb blonde in fact. I will argue this case that she is the one that created the dumb blonde, uh, not created as in she's the first dumb blonde. What I mean is, is that she created how the dumb blonde should be, kind of like Pamela Anderson on Baywatch created the the big boob blonde bombshell, you know, running down the beach and then everybody else tried to copycat her but could never pull it off as well as Pamela Anderson did. I argue that for Christina Applegate. She created the dumb blonde to a T. She had the look. She had the perfect saying. And the fact of Al Bundy, uh, you know, the work off there. I mean, of course, we're going to cover this in Changing Channels uh, with Jameson. Uh, We're going to cover that in about two months. We'll really get in depth with her character. But I just want to briefly talk about how I only knew of her character as being this dumb blonde. I thought she was always funny. And I thought that's all that she was. So when I first watched this film, immediately when you get to the beginning of the film and you see how she carries herself and her attitude and the way she speaks and her confidence level, it's dramatically different. Now, I will argue this point. If you just had somebody else doing this role... I don't think it would be as effective. And I think the reason why it's so effective is because this person has been playing stupid her whole entire career. And the fact that she's playing an ordinary girl who is somewhat really tough inside makes this movie, you know, so much better. But I think if you just had like a normal, typical person doing this role, I don't think this movie would be as loved as it is. I mean, this movie really is a huge favorite from your childhood i wouldn't say it's a cult classic but a lot of people love this film and i think it's because christina applegate really 
shines in this film because she's so completely different than her character. It's kind of like Robin Williams. I'm not comparing Christina Applegate to Robin Williams in regards to talent wise, but as an example, Robin Williams, you're so used to seeing this guy as the funny guy. And then you get to Memento, I think is, no, is that the movie? Not Memento. Uh, man, what's the movie with him and Hilary Swank? Uh, where he's a killer. Anyways, not, it's not Memento because that's Chris Nolan's first film and that's where everything plays backwards. But uh, essentially, Insomnia, there you go. That film was mind-blowing because you had never seen Robin Williams as not only not funny but crazy-ass killer. It was mind-blowing. Same thing goes for Christine Applegate. Her, She takes a complete... Uh, complete turnaround in this character and that's what makes this work now I did say earlier that Rose is the heart and soul of this movie and I'll get there when I get to her character but I just want to say starting right off the bat why this film works is because of Christina Applegate and the character of Rose which the character of Rose is played by Joanna Cassidy which aka the biggest place you're going to know her from is Who Framed Roger Rabbit so but anyways, uh, let's let's move on to kind of the uh, the beginning of the film. So we talk about she starts off talking about the freedom and just how awesome her summer is going to be, and we get introduced to Melissa, you know, which is Daniel Harris. She's burning stuff, and she's got kind of like a a bad tough kid attitude. I absolutely love her. She's not in this film a whole lot, you know. That's kind of the thing. It's mostly uh, Christina Applegate and Kenny. The other three kids, they're definitely in this film. But they don't have nearly as much screen time as Kenny and uh, and Sue Ellen, which it should be that way. But, you know, we get introduced to Zach and uh, Walter. In fact, we actually get introduced to the family dog, Elvis, because he actually has some funny moments as well. But one thing I found was kind of funny is when the mom talked about why are you taking a vacation? And she says, well, uh, you know, I, I've been doing this for 37 years. I'm like, you're not 37 years old. You look way older than 37. But... She says she's been a mom for 37 years. I was like, ah, okay, that makes sense. But then again, that doesn't make sense because how could she be a mom for 37 years and Christina Applegate's character is only 17? So I think in reality she's supposed to be 37 years old, but this mom does not look like a 37-year-old. I mean, my wife is 36 and she still looks like she's in her 20s, but it could be just that's the way my wife looks and that's the way she looks, so... You know, you just got to, I guess, go with it. It's just the throwaway line, really. You're, if you don't really pay attention, you're going to kind of miss it anyways. Now, the uh, the person that has the second most character development in this film is Kenny, uh, Keith Coogan's character. Because he starts off the movie, he's got long hair, he's definitely, you know, a metal rocker, uh, he's a stoner, you know, he's no responsibility. In fact, the whole entire movie, he's talking about, you know, don't don't complain about money, don't complain about food, don't complain about electricity. And then eventually his character turns around midway through the film until you get to the end. So you could argue the fact of his character actually has the most character development actually over Sue Ellen's character because Sue Ellen essentially pretty much always knew she was going to be you know the, the person in charge so that doesn't actually change in the film it does to a certain extent but really she goes from being just a teenager to working and putting food on the table versus Kenny goes from somebody who's completely a stoner no responsibility is going to drop out is actually failing school 
is in love with this girl named Nicole who doesn't want to have anything to do with him at all to hanging out with his friends to eating all the food not doing any dishes not doing any homework being disrespectful to midway through the film you have him cooking cleaning he at the end cuts his hair off he's no longer uh, smoking he actually tells his friends that he's going to continue school it's going to be cool i mean he does a complete turnaround so arguably speaking kenny uh kenny has the most character development in this film and that's i really enjoy him i mean he is definitely amazing which is why i went to watch hiding out it wasn't because of john crier because i didn't know who john crier was i watched hiding out because i knew keith coogan was in that film and that's why i fell in love with that movie and then eventually i fell in, i well i fell in love with john crier after i watched hiding out but that's the reason why i watched hiding out was because of this movie so uh let's move on to uh to rose and Rose is amazing. Rose is essentially the kind of boss that you could only hope and dream of ever coming across. Now, a lot of people would argue that Rose is an over-the-top character. I highly disagree with this, and I'll give you my reasons for that when we actually get to the -the over-the-top actors in this film or over-the-top characters in this film. Rose has one thing, and that's a humongous heart. Rose always looks for the brighter side of your, you know, of your personality, except for Carolyn, which is obviously fine with me. But Rose, you know, I am lucky enough to have a boss that's as close to Rose as I can possibly imagine. I actually consider Rose to be kind of like a motherly boss, you know, like my boss at work. She's always as she's always about my personal life. Before we ever even talk about work and she always puts my needs before, you know, there's a perfect balance there. She definitely puts the work needs where she needs them for me to have them at, but she's always like, okay, the reason why you're probably struggling today is because this happened to you a couple days ago. How's that situation going? Blah, 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 blah. She's always there to uplift you. And that's what Rose character is. She's all about uh, she's very happy. She's got a very joyous life. You can just tell outside of her work, number one, she loves her job. But number two, outside of work, she's a very happy person. And being a happy person definitely comes into play into your work life. And she's a great because of the fact of she's like a mother character and she's always looking at the brighter side of things, especially with Sue Ellen. And uh, she's just she's the heart and soul of this film because just whenever you think Sue Ellen's gonna get busted, she gives her credits like that was so amazing. You're such a great thinker. Way to go! You know she's all about uplifting, and that's why she's the heart and soul. And the biggest thing is because of the ending of the film. You know normally I don't skip ahead to the end before I start talking about the stuff in the beginning, but to make my point about Rose's character is after crap hits the fan. And Sue Ellen apologizes to Rose. Rose isn't even mad. She smiles and tells her, you know what? Everything's cool. In fact, I actually got praised for hiring you. I got seven meetings lined up. You know, you're so talented. I want you to actually work for me. Oh, you don't want to work for me? That's fine. You're going to college. Look me up. You know, and in fact, she wants to hang out with her 
in the next day. I mean, let's go out and do dinner. How awesome is that? That is that, that tells you the kind of person that Rose is. So that is why Rose is the heart and soul of this film because she is amazing. If you took her character completely out of this film, the film would not work. Or if you had somebody else playing her, there's no way this character would be as convincing as the way that this as it was portrayed uh, by by Miss Cassidy here. She does an amazing, phenomenal job as Rose. So good, good times, man. So let's move on to the stuff that I really dig in this film outside of obviously the characters here. All right. So after the mom leaves and the babysitter shows up, you got to love that smile because immediately you know that that smile is just not legit. And then when she turns into the horrible neck, TV rots your brain. You know, I want a 64 page report on, on the aardvark and all this and that. She's just ridiculously crazy. I mean, you could tell that this woman is psycho and she's probably off of her meds. And I just love the way that they portray her character, even though she's in this film for, I think, six minutes. She's definitely effective when she's on screen. So uh, good job from this crazy babysitter. And it definitely doesn't make you feel bad when she dies. Now, uh, I love Danielle Harris's character. When uh, babysitters suck, you know, she's just so mad. I just really like her bad attitude. Daniel Harris is great. She's not as bad attitude as she was in uh, in The Last Boy Scout. And she's definitely not the sweet little girl that she is, uh, you know, in the Halloween movies. But as Melissa, she's the perfect balance between, um, you know, Jamie from Halloween and uh, Darian from The Last Boy Scout. She's the perfect blend of those two, which is why I really enjoy and love her performance in this movie. And the things that she says, everything from babysitter suck and let's go kick some ass and everything like that is just so great and it's so convincing coming out of her mouth. Now, uh, you got to love the dog because Elvis, you know, he's sitting next to uh, what's his name, Walter. And, you know, the babysitter says, TV rots your brain. And then she hands him this big book. You know, I want to report on the aardvark within the next 24 hours. And you just see Elvis look at her like he wants to bite her head off. You know, and then, of course, the dog actually gets stoned later. And then after he gets stoned, you don't see him the rest of the film. So, you know, Elvis was short-lived in this film. They don't actually tell you if he lives or dies. But I don't ever remember seeing him after he gets stoned. But I do like the play that they do on the dog. It was a really good balance. Now, uh, there's one, there's a few scenes, not a lot, but there's a few scenes that don't make any sense or I have a problem with. Okay, so let's think about this. The person that hung out with the babysitter in this film were Sue Ellen, you had Walter, you had Melissa, and then you had Zach, right? Now, Kenny, earlier in the film, he takes off after, he's like, I'll do the dishes later, mom. And they're like, isn't your mom leaving? Oh, yeah, right. Have a good trip, mom. He goes and hangs out with his friends. He comes home, and he has a weed plant, and he puts it up on his window, and it falls off, and of course, he gets upset which is funny sue ellen busts in his room and uh, he's like hey get out it's like we have a major problem and then of course he has to help her uh get rid of the body so they start discussing you know the body and all this and that and eventually i think it's in the car and they talk about you know i feel so bad i should have checked her and what does he say she was a great babysitter how would he know if she was a great babysitter when you weren't even there? It's like, seriously? And it's not like he was joking. He says it all seriously. Like, she was a great babysitter. 
I'm like, either you are still high and you think you knew who she was or you're, or this was like bad writing. So it's one of the few scenes where I'm just like, that was stupid. They should have cut that line out. All right. So uh, let's talk about the over the top characters in this film. Now, like I said, you could say Rose was an over-the-top character. There's no possible way she's an over-the-top character. Number one, your first over-the-top character is the boss over at uh, Happy Dog. The guy that's like, you know, you're missing something. Put on a happy face. He's the guy that's all going around thinking that you know he never takes his smile off. He's just completely off the wall. I mean, you see the chili. The chili looks all nasty. It looks like there's blood in it. I mean, it looks really, really gross. And then he's just like, when you get to clean out the gizzards, then you get to move on to this and put on a happy face. I mean, he is off the wall. But then we get to the second person who is the most off the wall. Now, now granted, the boss from the uh actually you know what i'm gonna reverse that the number one guy who is the most off the wall over the top is gus number two would be the boss from the happy dog and then number three is brian now you're probably gonna argue with me about brian but let me i'll get there in a second let's talk about gus now gus's character is played by the bad guy in uh, the emil estevez and charlie sheen film men at work i love that film it's hilarious but he was the bad guy in that film. And even in that movie, he's a complete tool. That guy, this guy is a terrible, terrible actor. I don't know how this guy ever got into the uh, the acting gig, but this guy cannot act. I swear. I mean, I could, my kid could probably act better than this guy. He's never once been intimidating to me when he was a bad guy in Men at Work. In this film, he's all about shaking his hands up in the air and doing these stupid faces. Like Jim Carrey can do the stupid faces, but at least it's funny and at least it makes sense. But this guy is like, it's like he thinks he's in the movie Dumb and Dumber, but Dumb and Dumber hasn't been invented yet. This guy sucks. I cannot stand Gus. He is just, this guy is a terrible, terrible actor. Ugh. Now, I will argue the fact of, you couldn't take this guy out of the film. His character is needed in this film because of all of the sexual harassment that he does to Sue Ellen and all the sneaking around he does the rose and the payoff at the end of the movie where she gets to shoot his pants to make it look like he peed and have him busted with rose. His character is needed, but his character is so off the wall over the top i mean it's to the point where it's it almost takes the effect of this movie and ruins it if you didn't if it wasn't for christina applegate's salad performance and having rose in almost every scene that this guy's in this guy would have made this movie drop dramatically so i really do not like this guy and i think he's horrible so i'm not going to say any more about gus Let's move on. But let's get to Brian. Now, I said he is one of the over-the-top characters. And it's just 
like when you first start off, he's just kind of like my trusty steed and he's just he's so happy about working at the place. But at the same time, he's just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But every time he talks about it's the perfect moment, I just want to roll my eyes. It's like, seriously, dude, that's how you're going to be suave with somebody. Say it's the perfect moment. Let's kiss. Dude, if you're going to kiss, you kiss. You don't say it's the perfect moment and just say, do you want to kiss? I don't think so. It's stupid. So he is over the top, but he's not as bad uh, as the, as his boss, and he's not nowhere near the level of Gus. But like the thing where he really goes overboard is with the bouncy balls. I mean, don't get me wrong; I really like Brian overall. Like especially like when he's mad and like they're arguing. Those are that's always a solid scene. I like you know when he's when he's hanging out with Sue Ellen, but it's like when he's on the bouncy ball and he's just like he's making these funny faces. He almost looks like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but if Joseph Gordon-Levitt was stupid, you know what I mean? It's like if Joseph Gordon-Levitt had no confidence in himself, he would be Brian. Because every time I saw this guy, I always saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but it was always like the 10 things I hate about you days of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But even in that movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt still uh, had like charisma and he still had somewhat, uh, you know, confidence in his character. But this guy... It's not that he's not confident in himself, but he he just feels like he should be on the Big Bang Theory or something like that. So uh, overall, though, I mean, I would say on like a scale of one to ten for character, he's probably a seven. Gus is a zero, and then you have the boss guy, which is like a three. So, but overall, though, the the scenes of him and Sue Ellen just hanging out and him helping the kids and stuff, those were always great. I love the ending where he's just like, "What's going on?" And he, he's just like, well, we kind of broke up. And he turns around and gives her the rose. Those are all good. It's always when he talks about the moment, though, where I'm just like rolling my eyes. But let's move on from that situation. All right. Now, one thing I do love is watching all the old school stuff in the play, like the typewriter. I hated the typewriter, man. I could not stand it. Whenever you made a mistake on the typewriter, it was always like either you got to do it over again or you got to get like a special eraser. It was always lame and I could never like position my paper in the right way. I'd always like press a letter and it'd be like way off key or something like that. It was crazy. So I'm I'm so thankful we don't have the typewriter anymore. But it was kind of a joy to see the typewriter because it made me remember how much I hate them. Now uh, let's get to Carolyn. Now Carolyn, uh, this actress is great. Uh, the person that plays Carolyn, Jane Brooke, because Jane Brooke was in Kindergarten Cop. She was uh, Zach's mom, the one where Zach was being abused and, uh, you know, the father hit him. And she's just telling Arnold, I don't have to justify myself to you. In this film, she plays Carolyn as a very unlikable, nasty, very uh, just a person you don't ever want to be around. She does a phenomenal job. I mean, they always say, you know, uh, your best hero is your is your bad guy, I guess, or whatever that phrase is where you need your villain to be, you know, just as bad as your, you know, as good as your superhero or whatever it is. She's great villain in this film. I mean, she is definitely the villain of this film. It's not Gus and it's not her boyfriend, David Duchovny, but it's Carolyn. And uh, right off the bat, she's real snarky and nasty and rude comments are given to Sue Ellen. And uh, she does it great, man. She, you really do not like this character because she plays it so well. So she did a great performance. Uh, I can't say anything bad about uh, the way she portrayed Carolyn. 
she really makes you care about Sue Ellen more every time Sue Ellen is around this character because you're just like, wow, you're such a bad person. So good job, Carolyn. Uh, very good bad guy in this film. I really, really enjoy her character and performance in the film. Now, uh, one of the uh, there's two lines in this film that when you say "Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead" to somebody, two lines are going to come up: either "The dishes are done, man," or the big one, kind of like with Terminator, it's "I'll be back." Is right on top of that rose. Because I kid you not, even today, in 2013, at my work, because, you know, I, I work in quality assurance at a, at a insurance place. Uh, you know, I, I deal with all, like, the computers and all that fun stuff. And I do a lot of testing and making sure everything's all good and solid before we ever roll it out to the public. But one of the things that we say, because I, I work pretty much in an all-female environment. I think there's, like, two guys that actually work in the whole entire building but there's always a joke that goes around where when we're stressed out, we always say we're right on top of that, Rose. That's because this movie has that impact on you. So I, of course, love that line. And um, it's just priceless, man. It really goes with the film perfectly. Now, uh, when they're at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, this is after Sue Ellen gets hired. They go to Chuck E. Cheese. They're hanging out. And that's when uh, Kenny's just like, how much money are you going to make? Now, keep in mind, this movie was made in 1991. She tells Kenny she's going to make $37,500 a year. That's crazy. Do you know how much money that is back in 1991? That's like almost 50 to 60 grand in today's standards. I mean, maybe even more than that. It's crazy the amount of money that she's going to get. I mean, wow. Even in 2013, it's very hard for somebody to find a job where they're going to make 37 grand a year. So can you imagine what that would have been like in 1991 to have a job like that to say, I'm making 37 grand a year. Crazy. Now there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, the believability factor is kind of always been, uh, what some people would say, there's no way that this would be pulled off in real life. Actually, believably wise, the way that they tell the story works because you have Rose, who is the all trusting uh, boss who doesn't basically, you know, check up on you. She just says, this is when I need something. Have it done by this day. I'll pick it up then. So during the process, she's not up on your case about anything. Right. Then you have uh, the perfect little um, person uh what's her name um kathy oh my gosh kathy is great you have kathy who is the knight in shining armor to sue ellen she is somebody who has a real funny voice but she's very likable very lovable it's she's like one of those people you just want to squeeze and hug because she's you know she's just that kind of person uh she wants the job that sue ellen had and she's one of those uh people that just love to do work how hard is it to find somebody that actually wants to do work? And Sue Ellen locks out, man, because you have Kathy. She saves the day, and this is what keeps her job because Sue Ellen uses experienced people to do her work without giving it away that she doesn't know what she's doing, and she does it perfectly. Uh, Sue Ellen definitely plays that off great in this movie she does the perfect balance of not knowing what she's doing and knowing what she's doing at the same time because she's dealing with the fashion stuff great great times uh then we get introduced to franklin now uh, jameson 
Of course, we know Franklin from Cool as Ice. You know, he's the guy that had the crazy house and uh, took their bike apart and had uh, his, I think his name was Roscoe. Yeah, this is uh, Franklin. Franklin is the guy that works out in the fashion place. And uh, you see him like two or three times in this film, but he was definitely fun to see. I really enjoyed uh, seeing him. But after uh, after she sees Franklin and she goes up and she's got to fax something, this is where she meets Kathy. This is another scene that doesn't work. I have faxed stuff numerous times because that's something that I do in my daily job. There's no possible way that you could stick that piece of paper in while it's faxing and pull it out like that. There's no way. You would have ripped the paper because once the fax goes inside, it gets locked in there and it's almost impossible to pull it out without ripping the paper. And then if you notice when she pulls out the paper, the bottom half is in perfect condition and the top part is all messed up. So that was another dumb scene, but I went with it because I I was having such a good time with the film but we all know dealing with faxes all you guys out there we know that once your paper goes in there there ain't no way you're pulling that out okay so the uh the qed report is kind of like a big deal in this film it's essentially really sue ellen's job and it helps that you know she had kathy to take care of the qed report that's what saved her job that's what made it believable that she could pull this off because she was constantly delivering the qed report that's essentially her her bread and butter of her job so that's what makes it believable that she was able to pull this off so uh, the qed report definitely comes into play but not nearly as much as petty cash petty cash is a huge game changer in this film because everybody is out of money sue ellen gets the job but of course she doesn't get paid for two weeks just like most jobs and she gets told about this petty cash and what happens she uses some of that to uh, of course take care of the needs she's going to pay it back with her check but that's when things are go crazy because early in the film they set up that zach is a stealer of money because he tries to steal from his mom his mom busts him in time but instead zach steals the money and then walter sees zach stealing the money so he steals money and then it just becomes you know a downward spiral where they spend all the petty cash and they buy a tv entertainment center they buy everything the only problem i have with this film that isn't resolved is the petty cash so they set up that she's going to be working over time or she's going to be you know putting the money back and this is prior you know this is right before she finds out that they're going to close down and she's like there's no way i'm going to pay it back and they're going to have the fashion show she hasn't worked long enough to repay back all that money so why is it after the fashion show and they find out what's going on uh basically she's not working there no more how is she going to pay that money back she never tells Rose that she spent all the petty cash. So that's really the one thing that becomes unresolved in the film. Everything else gets re- resolved except for the petty cash. It's a big player in this film. It really is. But you don't resolve that storyline of what happens after the fact of you know petty cash. What happens? So if they would have just had a scene where she said, and by the way, I, I wasn't able to pay back all the petty cash would have solved the problem right there but because they never bring it up at the end of the film that that storyline is held up there and you don't get any resolution so uh that's the one that's the biggest problem with this film is the storyline of the petty cash doesn't get resolved so but i can let it slide 
for the most part. Now, David Duchovny is in this film. He's essentially Carolyn's, I don't know, boyfriend or associate or whatever. I like his, uh, you know, the first time you see him, he goes in the office. She's on the phone with Kenny arguing and he's just like, yo, you know, get off the phone. He just thinks she's just some sort of reception. So he's being all rude to her. Hey, I don't got all day. And she's like, what is your name and what do you do? And she gets all snotty with them and just basically puts him in his place. I love that. We don't see David Duchovny too much, but, uh, you know, he, it is what it is. I don't have anything good to say about his character and I don't have anything bad to say. He's just there to be there and to kind of be Carolyn's right hand man. Now, uh, there's one scene that I thought was absolutely funny. Uh, and it's during the scene where she's getting ready for her date with Ryan and, uh, she's in the bathtub and Kenny has his friends over they're playing music, smoking weed, getting, you know, Elvis high. She puts a towel on. She goes in She goes in his room and she just starts yelling at him. If you guys notice at the very end of the conversation, she just says to him that, you know, you're, you're a selfish little punk is what it comes across on screen. But if you read her lips, she says prick, which is kind of funny. Uh, it's like you're, this is a real movie. This isn't TV. And they covered their own dialogue in the film. So what I think happened is this movie got a PG-13 rating. And I think back then you weren't allowed to say that. So I think that if they would have left that word in because they had already said uh, the F word once. Because you're allowed to say the F bomb once in a PG-13 film. They said the S word I think three times So I think if they would have left the word prick in there, I think it would have moved it to an R rating and they didn't want to have that. So that's why they overdubbed that probably in post editing. And But it's just funny when you watch it, you can clearly tell what she's saying, but that's not what comes across on screen. So that was something that I I just thought was absolutely hilarious. Okay, now um, I want to talk about the scene where Brian, you know, kind of breaks up with Sue Ellen, goes to talk to his sister Carolyn and just talks about his feelings for Sue Ellen comes in and overhears this now here's the thing how is it let me let me backtrack sue ellen how many people do you know in your personal life that's named sue ellen raise your hand you know and i know that this is an audio podcast and i can't actually see you but raise raise your hand and i guarantee you 90 percent of my audience out there are not going to be raising their hand sue ellen is not a common name my wife's name is fonda and Fonda is common for a last name like Jane Fonda, whatever, Bridget Fonda. But there's not many people in this world where their first name is Fonda. So if I was at, if I was dating, you know, my wife, you know, this is before we get married. If I'm dating my wife, we have an argument, break up, and I go to a job and I'm talking to my sister. And somebody says, is there a problem, Fonda? Or they say, you know, you hear... Can you give the QED report to Fonda? You know, I'm sick and I just wanted her to have it. And then Kathy goes back in the elevator. And then when my sister says, is there a problem, Fonda? I'm going to turn around and not question that, that it's not the same person because it's not a common name. It's not like it's like Mary or Nancy or whatever. It's not a common name. So why didn't Brian figure that out? It's kind of like, that was a stupid move on his part. So 
I don't know if he's just too down in the dumps or this guy really is stupid, but I just I had a problem with that scene because he should have questioned it instead of just letting it slide because it's not a common name. So seriously, what was your deal, Brian? So that's another scene that I was just like, oh, I wish they would have fixed that a little bit. Okay, now um, I do find the mom, a.k.a. stepson scene believable as well because uh, if you remember, this is where Walter falls off, breaks his leg, goes to the hospital they call and say you know your son uh is in a hospital and like your son and nobody can kind of believe it and and then later on in the film where uh they're at the party and she's supposed to be the mom it's believable because of the way that her character is portrayed in the film she's very very professional you know as a 17 year old teenager she was very good at having a very adult persona and that's why that's that's why it becomes believable when you when you find out she is a mother. It's just like you're kind of shocked at first because of how young she looks, and then you're like, oh, it makes sense. She's not a, she's not a kid or anything. She definitely acts like an adult. So I I like the payoff there where you first find out that you know they're like, oh, your son, and then you get to the party and everybody believes that she's the mom of these kids because of the way she portrays herself. Good times. Now I love the montage scene of them coming together that's when she comes home sees everything that they bought goes off on them you know you never stole from mom well that's because mom never had that kind of money you guys spent three thousand dollars on a you know on an entertainment system and uh that's when they're just like you know what we need to clean this place to do this party because if not i'm we're i'm turning this all in and I love the montage scene where you get to see, you know, you see this big pool that they have. You're just like, wow, that looks really nice. But it looks like the pool in Karate Kid in the beginning. It looks real nasty. I mean, this one is definitely fancier looking. But you see the, how the yard is and you see them painting. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple minutes later, you get into the kitchen scene where Kenny still has long hair, but he's cooking food. And the kitchen looks beautiful. I mean, they did a perfect way of having this house be trashed. I mean, you go to the stairs, you have paper stacked all the way up the stairs. And this house completely transforms. And it's phenomenal. I really love the cleaning montage. It's awesome. And uh, during that scene, you see where Kenny's stepping it up. And not only is he cooking and he's cleaning, but he's also going to, uh, you know, the baseball games and he's just being the he's being the adult of the house and that's where you're seeing his character transform and really it all starts during this cleaning montage and i love it because not only do you get a montage but you're also seeing major character development happen so it's very awesome now uh i do think the best scene of the whole entire film is the fight between kenny and sue ellen that's when she comes home he's been scraping the stove you know, he gets pissed off at her and just says, you know, if you would have called, I could at least prepare dinner better. You know, I, I made sure I fed the kids. It's almost like a, a husband and wife conversation, you know, but it's just a it's a mutual respect. It's like I haven't been giving you respect, you know, and I'm sorry, but you're not giving me respect because I have to take care of things. And they both yell at each other about, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what you're doing. Because there is that time when you're in a relationship where you don't fully understand what the other person does with their time and you guys get into an argument. Well, this scene is very effective. Uh, Both parties do a great job of portraying how important what they're doing is. And at the end, 
you know, they they basically have a mutual new respect for each other, which they didn't have the whole entire movie. And that's where their relationship starts to change throughout the rest of the film. And I really love that. That's why it's hands down the best scene of the film, especially how it ends with, well, you didn't have to whisk the couch. Well, it needed it. You know, I just love it. So that is my favorite scene of the whole film. Good times. And of course, the ultimate payoff for Kenny is uh, when the party is officially going and Nicole, the girl that he's always been trying to get with, walks in and it's like Kenny and he just like, oh, hi, Nicole, and just smiles at her. And she's just like, she smiles and nods her head like, wow, you look good. And he just kind of smiles, but he's just like, I got work to do. I got to finish cooking, you know? So that's the biggest payoff is the fact of the person that had wanted nothing to do with his character all of a sudden has completely changed. Just like she's very interested. So that's pretty awesome. And of course, you know, it, it pays off because at the end of the film, he says, well, I have a date with Nicole. So that that's awesome. So I, I think... All in all, my favorite character of this movie is Kenny. You know, I do love Rose and I do love, um, you know, Sue Ellen. But I think deep down inside, my favorite character is Kenny because he goes through the biggest journey of this film. And I think I relate more to him because, you know, I can't say I was irresponsible like him in regards to, well, you know, I was just a stoner and, you know, I didn't care and I was pissing in the wind like he was and all of a sudden then I'm changing and becoming the the cooker and the cleaner and stuff. But in a way I, I did because I was, you know, I was, I wasn't an only child. I did have uh, th- uh, four sisters, three brothers, but they were all grown up. They were all living in different states. So it was just me and my parents. But when I finally was out on my own, you know, I really learned what it was like to to cook and to clean and be the man of the house kind of thing, especially getting a family now. It's just amazing how certain circumstances can totally change your perspective and change your character, sometimes overnight. You know, that, that can actually happen. It's just like those that say, oh, I don't ever want to have a baby. But then the moment you're, you give birth, you instantly within a few hours or just like your mind is different. Your spirit is different. It's just awesome. So I really dig his character, man. He just makes a full blown transformation. So I think overall, Kenny's my favorite and then would be uh, Sue Ellen. And then of course, Rose. Uh, but I don't deny the fact Rose is the heart and soul of the film, but Kenny's my favorite character, no doubt. And uh, finally we get to the end of the film. We're at the party. I love the pool, man. The pool is beautiful. Their house is beautiful. It's great. Uh, and you actually find out that Sue Ellen actually became employee of the month. So she obviously learned very fast and she was very successful, even though, you know, she had her knight in shiny army, Kathy there. You do find out that she did actual legitimate work and that she was really good at it just by becoming employee of the month, which if you're not really paying attention, you might miss that. But I got to say the biggest payoff of the whole entire film are three little words. And it's I'll be damned. And here's why. So the beginning of the film, the mom is, she has these five kids. They're all in different directions. Nobody works together. Their house is trashed. Nobody really gets along. Nobody's listening. There's really no respect level. She comes home. Of course, she's devastated because she sees all these people, uh, not only in her yard, but, you know, just like just she just can't believe what's going on she goes inside the kitchen and she sees sue ellen tell the kids to go upstairs you know gives them kisses you know it's like thanks mommy i mean sue ellen you know and then 
she tells you know let's let's sit down like adults and we'll have a conversation about what's been going on and in the meantime why don't you go to your room it's like now sue ellen has become the mom the mom's freaked out and the best part is when she walks around the house and she just sees how clean it is how awesome it looks and how her family has come together with her being gone and just says, I'll be damned. It's like that's the perfect payoff of the film. And I love it. I don't know why. It's just something about it. It just it comes full circle for the family itself. Good times. And I already mentioned that I love the Rose and Sue Ellen scene where, you know, everything uh, you know comes to play. She finds out what really happened and how she just would just still love to hire her and she'll look out for her and they they want to have dinner together and all this and that i love it you can just see how the relationship will carry on past this movie which is great and then of course uh you gotta love the whole thing as my daughter said aren't they gonna you know isn't the mom gonna ask about the babysitter and as soon as that happened you're just like you know sue ellen what happened to the babysitter you know so all in all, guys, uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It had been a long time since I had seen this. I would say at least 12 years. It's got to be at least that. Uh, my oldest daughter watched it with me, and she loved it. She's like, can we watch it again? She thought it was great, especially when I told her. She's like, well, what's the movie about? I'm like, it's like Home Alone with five kids. And she's like, okay, I got to watch it, you know. Uh, and I got to say, man... Uh, I really invested myself in it a lot more than I did before. Before I would watch it, it was just it was a good time. But now that I'm an adult and now that I'm a dad, and uh, you know, I can really kind of relate to you know parenthood and how crazy your kids are, and just seeing changes like that. Uh, I gotta give this movie a really strong four, despite my issues with uh, the over-the-top characters, the petty cash storyline that doesn't get resolved uh you know some of the like funny uh lines of being you know changed from you know prick to punk whatever uh just the little nitpicks i had overall um just doesn't take away from the fact that even today in 2013 for such a movie that's so old in 1991 i still really enjoy and i really really love so i gotta go with a solid four on this one really you know i i have to admit before i recorded this I, I had three and a half dead locked in my head. You know, there's no way I was changing it from above a three and a half. But the more I talked about it and really went in depth with the movie and the characters and stuff, it, it kind of changed my philosophy on just the overall movie. So I'll give this one a solid four. I highly recommend it. Go check it out. And uh, surprisingly, uh, somebody stole this movie. Uh, I, I had this movie and I went looking for it and that's why this episode's coming to you much later and it wasn't there. I was like, what? Somebody stole this movie? So I had to go looking for it. But luckily, uh, my my local video store had it, surprisingly, since they don't have a whole lot of movies. They have a couple hundred movies. They actually had this one. So, Well, that's it for the review, guys. Let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. <laughs> All right, I got a lot of emails for you guys. Uh, I got a new iTunes review, so this is very exciting, and I can't wait for you guys to hear everything. So our first email comes from Tawana Diversity Williams. 
Here's what she had to say. What is up, Masunis and the STL Nation? I hope everyone's year got off to a great start. The kickoff movie, Weird Science, is a great movie. I loved it, so I really enjoyed the review, guys. Uh, been having fun with the movie quotes just like everybody else. Gary, your son. Don't threaten me, Al. Good times. Uh, okay, now. Uh, Don't Tell Mom was one of those movies I first saw on HBO, which I believe I was the same as you. Uh, every single time it came on, uh, which didn't seem to be that often, me and my sisters were uh, would be glued to the TV set. Christina Applegate who I only knew as Kelly Bundy is perfect in the role of Sue Ellen or Swell. I remember being pleasantly surprised that she was actually playing someone with a good head on her shoulders and not the blonde bimbo that we were used to. Another role I loved her in is on a TV show, Samantha Who with Barry Watson. Unfortunately, I did not see that. It's really funny and just like Don't Tell Mom, it has a great supporting cast. Now, uh, Joanna Cassidy is great as Rose, and of course, I have to mention fellow native Floridan Daniel Harris, who is in a bunch of stuff I love from the 80s and 90s. John Getz, who played Gus, uh, seemed to be typecast and playing the sleazy boss just like he does in The Fly with Gina Davis. Uh, It sounds like you like this guy. I'm sorry, Tawana, if what I said offended you, but... Oh, I hate this guy, man. He's terrible. But speaking of jerks, can't forget about uh, Jane Brooke and David Duchovny. I absolutely hated them, so they did a good job. Laugh out loud. And the forever cooking in movies, Keith Coogan is good times here too. You're right. He does cook and uh, don't tell mom the wait. He don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. He cooks in Adventures of Babysitting, right? And he does cook in. Hiding Out, I think he does. I'll have to double check. Uh, When you do Hiding Out or Cousins, Mike, the Keith Coogan um, trifecta will be complete. Um, I do want to say, in regards to the next movie, before I finish off Tawana's email here. As you guys know, originally, uh, the next episode was going to be House Party. And then after House Party was going to be the start of the two series of uh, Lethal Weapon and then the Rocky series. And then uh, Never Back Down, the true Karate Kid remake. And then go into the 100th episode. But... Nobody sent in any emails for House Party. I got one from Jameson. It was funny, but it was it was more of a joke than really talking about the movie. I know there's people out there that like House Party, but I, I put a, you know, just out to the nation. I was just like, do you guys really want me to do it? And a lot of people were just like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I like Friday better than I like House Party. You know, like me, I like Class Act way better than I like House Party. Uh, I, I don't want to do a movie that people don't want to hear. You know, it's just like this is a solo show. It's not like I can, you know, I bounce ideas or thoughts off of somebody every episode. So it's not like I want to be like, I want to do the movies I want to do. I mean, that was the whole purpose of me doing the voting system to begin with was to have you guys tell me what you wanted to hear. And I knew you guys wanted to hear this movie, but I thought House Party was a was a fan favorite, but I guess it wasn't. So that's why I've decided to change things up a little bit here. What I'm going to do is is I'm moving the secret episode hiding out, which was supposed to take place after House Party. I'm moving that to next episode just because Keith Coogan's in this one. He's in the next movie. It'll work kind of a one-two punch, as John the Mailman always says. And then the following uh, movie, before we get to Lethal Weapon, I'm going to throw a vote up for that. I know I said I wouldn't do a vote uh, until after the hundredth episode, but I want it to be a big movie. You know, I, I mean, originally I was going to do like Superman, but as Jameson said, you want to save that for like Man of Steel 
uh, times, which I, I highly agree. So definitely look for the Superman series to be done right before the Man of Steel movie comes out. But I was thinking like maybe Goonies, uh, Revenge of the Nerds, as you guys know. Uh, if you listen to the newest episode of Underground Hour, there was Name That Tune. And uh, the the song that was played was uh, from Revenge of the Nerds 2. So, and I love that movie. So I was thinking maybe Revenge of the Nerds. But uh, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a few big movies and you guys vote. And the one that wins is the one that I'm going to do after hiding out. I love uh, John the Mailman. He's like, oh, I see how it is. You're going to take the black film out of it. And I was like, well, if it makes you feel any better, the music spotlight I had planned out was black. So it's all good. So I'm definitely, you know, we're kind of debating between Friday, but I hate Chris Tucker. I can't stand that guy. There's a lot of you guys out there that love Chris Tucker. Uh, he ruins Fifth Element for me. I'm sorry. And, I, you know, Friday, I love Ice Cube. I think it's funny, but I'm like, do I really want to do a like a drug movie? as my big movie before I go into the final two series before the 100th episode. So I'm going to think of a few big movies, throw it up on a vote. You guys decide, and we'll go off the majority vote, and we'll take it from there because, you know, I want a big movie to do before we go into the last two series before the 100th episode. So that that was kind of what I wanted to talk to you about, the the kind of the change a little bit uh, between before we get to Lethal Weapon. And big movies, I'm thinking of like, you know, Goonies, you know, some kind of, you know, action adventure kind of films, you know, maybe Super 8, whatever. So, uh, but let me finish up here, Tawana's email. She said, uh, some catchphrases from the movie I can't stop saying for about a week each time I watch the movie is dishes are done, man. Uh, I'm right on top of that, Rose, and TV rots your brains in the voice of that awful babysitter. Good stuff. All right, that is it for now. See you online. Take care. Diversity. Thank you so much, Tawana, for writing in. Always a good time. So uh, the next email comes from uh, John, the music man. He's like, hello, STL Nation and Mike. This is a great film and uh, lots of fun moments. My favorite quote uh, was in the trailers. The dishes are done, man, uh, as they were shooting them. But honestly, what cracks me up the most in the movie is when the drag queen stole the car. It's true. Liza Minnelli and uh, Marilyn Monroe and somebody else stole their babysitter's car. That was hilarious. So he's like John the Music Man. So again, sir, thank you so much for writing in. Always love hearing from you. And uh, let's get to our next email here. All right. This next one comes from Jameson the Great. Good old uh, STL proclaimed legend, Jameson. What is up, sir? He said, Mr. Masunis. I was so happy to hear that you were doing this movie. Uh, when this film came out, I was uh, on, I was still completely hooked on Christina Applegate, and I rushed to see this one. What I love was that uh, at first her character kind of comes off as Kelly Bundy character, but quickly you discover she's much more than that. Her brother Kenny always cracked me up. Dishes are done, man. That's everybody's favorite line. It's funny. Uh, this movie is such a fun little adventure full of crazy characters and outrageous plot turns, but it has heart. Oh, and Christina Applegate. Keep up, keep it up, and I'm looking forward to the future episodes. Jameson, the self-proclaimed STL legend. So thank you, sir, uh, as always, for writing in, man. Good times. All right, our next one comes from Lisa the Legend. She's like, hi, y'all. I'm not sure if I'm too late or not, but I couldn't uh, not write in about this movie. First off, uh, we're off to an epic start to 2013. Weird Science was awesome, followed by some great underground hours. I have to say they are getting better and better. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that compliment. Uh, yeah, it's kind of my goal is every underground hour to try to top the other one. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I fail, but uh, as long as, you know, 
you're enjoying the new music you're hearing, that's awesome. Good times. Uh, okay, so I'll dive into this movie. This was such a fun movie. For me, it was uh, the first chance to really see Christina Applegate as more than just the ditzy blonde that she was famous for playing. I know Jameson isn't a fan of too many female actresses, but I really think she has held her own over the years. Now, I got to stop here. Uh, Jameson did hack into my emails. He did see this, and I showed it. Uh, well, I should say... Uh, he, he saw it and he's like, what, how is it? I don't love female actresses. All I said is that they weren't funny. So he's like, I said that I movie Mojo monthly. He's like, I love Emma Stone. I talk about her praise all the time. I just said they weren't funny. So there's a little clarification there. Uh, he, he she says that, uh, as much as I remember her from Mary with children, she was in tons of stuff prior to that. I remember seeing her as a guest on silver spoons, 21 jump street, Charles in charge, and even the cheesy dance till dance movie which uh such a fun movie to watch i love seeing her take on mrs uh mrs junior mom role in this movie uh you got to see her get serious and struggle with all the drama adults with but trying to remember she's just a teenager as well i think what really made her stand out to me was her co-star keith coogan way to go i mean don't get me wrong the younger brother sister and funny youngest were good but keith and christina together were awesome i highly agree with you I thought they really brought an interesting dynamic to the movie. It was funny, serious, cheesy, and lovable all wrapped into one. Enough of my rambling. You guys take it easy, and I'll see you in STL Nation. Take care, Lisa the Legend. So thank you, Lisa, so much for writing in on that one. And uh, before I get to my final um, my final two emails, um, I wanted to, it's going to be a little bit before I do an Underground Hour. And uh, on the newest episode of Underground Hour, I did a new segment which was called Name That Tune, where essentially uh, I play a song and I give you three clues to see uh, what movie that the song is from. And uh, the clip I did was uh, 38 Specials um, Back to Paradise, which was the intro to Revenge of the Nerds 2. And uh, a few people wrote in on that. Uh, The first one to uh, write in was uh, good old Larry. And he's like, hey, Mike, uh, I'm in no rush, but I think the answer is that the song was from Revenge of the Nerds 2. No request other than keep doing what you're doing, kid. Have a good day. And uh, he's talking about where uh, if you guess the answer correctly, you tell me what song you want me to play for the next uh, Name Your Tune challenge for the STL Nation. But he didn't have any, but he got the answer correct. So thank you, Larry, for writing in, sir. It's always great to hear from you. The uh, next person that wrote in on the name your tune was uh, Lisa the Legend. She's like, hi, y'all. Okay, so I know I'm uh, super late on this, but I finally got through to the latest Underground Hour. As soon as I heard it within seconds, I said, nerds. I had to think and got uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, It is part two. Uh, Not Shazam or anything needed. Uh, I'm just much of a geek. So uh, now, mind you, when I got home, uh, I did Google it to make sure I had it right with Revenge of the Nerds. I wasn't sure about the new segment, but uh, I have to say you have already won me over. See ya in the music flow. Lisa the Legend. So thank you, Lisa. You got it correct. She didn't give me any song requests. So, so far, I'm just going to pick the next tune uh, for that. And final. Now, uh, this one is from a new emailer. So we have somebody new, guys, in the STL Nation. And what happens when we get a new member of the STL Nation? Banzai, Daniel-san! Hey, Banzai! 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 <laughs> That's right. Uh, this one... 
This comes from uh, Ivan. Now, Ivan, uh, he's definitely been, you know, he's been there from the beginning. As he says, long-time listener, first-time email. Uh, I like to call him Professor X, uh, or he says, a.k.a. Ivan, only I- Ivan. And uh, Ivan's always been, you know, in the background kind of thing, kind of like Larry. You know, whenever there's a certain topic that he wants to chime in about, he always has uh, really good things to say, you know, definitely during the Star Wars situation and uh, during the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. So it's it's great to hear from you, sir. I'm glad you finally wrote in. You know, you've definitely, uh, you're a part of the STL group and you always had awesome things to say, even though you don't really talk too much in the group. Whenever you do post, it's always good times. And here's what he had to say. Uh, we are VIPs, very immense. Uh, they're here. Nerds. No, on 15. No, sorry. I love that part. No, on 15. Ivan says, long time listener, first time emailer. Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. As for my source, because I did say when you get your answer, tell me the source of where you got it from. It's my inner geekdom knowledge, which is awesome, sir. As for my request, just another theme song to jog the brain. Professor X1, a.k.a. Ivan, only Ivan. So thank you, Ivan, so much for writing in, sir. Um, As far as your nickname goes... I'm just going to go off of uh, what you posted here, sir, a.k.a. Ivan, Ivan only Ivan or Professor X1. So I like Professor X1. That's pretty cool. So Ivan, the Professor X1, you know, good times, sir. So thank you so much for writing. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And and finally, we have another new member of the STL Nation. What happens when we get another member of the STL Nation? Banzai, Daniel-san! Hey, Banzai! Banzai! That's right. Uh, This one actually comes from Adam. Now, Adam, uh, he wrote me an email after he submitted an iTunes review, and he had some pretty awesome things to say. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Mike Mack, I submitted a review on iTunes. I don't know how long it will take to be approved, but basically it said, I think you have the best single microphone podcast on iTunes, which that alone is just mind-blowing to hear somebody say that to me. I mean, it's pretty awesome. He said, you avoid the problems other single mics have, like being too short because the host can't fill more than a half hour or being monotonous with no one to play off. Your voice is full of enthusiasm and you keep things lively and informative like revealing in the H2O podcast that if you know where to look, you can connect the movies uh, to parts four and six, which is true. Uh, that was an amazing bit of trivia and representative of the great stuff to be found on your podcast. I am now addicted to them and I'm trying not to burn through them all at once. I hope you will uh, do the final destination series sometimes as I know you'd be awesome. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I definitely, sir. We can put that up for uh, the Halloween because, you know, on October, I always do a Halloween themed episode. Year one was Halloween. Year two was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So we could definitely do something like that. It's going to be, there's a lot of horror series for the October-ness that we can do. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, He said, the only thing I called you in the review out on was while I love that uh, there's no profanity, the overuse of the word flippin' Uh, a couple dozen times in each podcast is a bit much, and any time a description like that is used in excess, you veer into shark jumping territory. Well, uh, I admit that I, I say flipping a lot, which uh, I think I haven't actually said it once on this episode, so that's awesome. I actually think I overuse the worst like 
overuse the words good times, uh, terrible. <laughs> uh, there's a few words that I catch myself like, you seriously need to stop saying that, Mike. You say it way too many times. But I will work on this, sir. Uh, thank you for the feedback. Um, you know, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, you know, flipping kind of does represent kind of, I guess, the other word. So I will definitely try my best to avoid using this. Uh, he did go on to say throw freaking in there a few times to mix things up and you'll make the fans happy. That's just one quimble outside your podcast rocks and rolls. Especially love the Halloween and Nightmare series overviews. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, keep up the great work, Adam, a.k.a. North of Eden. So, Adam, you are officially part of our STL Nation. So, Adam, North of Eden, welcome to the nation, sir. Thank you so much for this awesome email. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read your iTunes review uh, so everybody can hear what you had to say. And by the way, if you have uh, gone on iTunes and you've rated the podcast, thank you so much. Um, currently... Uh, I got 21 re- uh, ratings so far. I got 18 five stars. Some jabroni gave me one star, but, you know, we've talked about that before. And then, you know, I got one in four and one in three, none in two. So if you have not rated the show, hopefully you do five stars. You know, that'd be awesome. But if you haven't reviewed it either, please do so. Just go on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. But, uh, you know, Ivan was actually uh, one of the last ones to write uh, – to uh, do an email, not email, uh, iTunes review, which I read that then. So thank you, Ivan. But here is what, uh, here's what Adam had to say. This is on iTunes. This was his review. Uh, The uh, best single microphone podcast on iTunes, which again, sir, I can't thank you enough for saying such kind words. Um, It's really amazing. And, you know, like I said, man, it makes me, makes me want to cry or something. I don't know. It's good. Uh, the title says it all. A lot of single mic podcasts struggle with either being too short because the host can't fill more than a half an hour or become monotonous with uh, when the host has no one to play off of. Mac puts out a consistent, entertaining podcast, and I'm very happy to have stumbled on by accident. Now, I have no idea what your accident was, but I want to thank the accident because I always enjoy getting a new listener and the fact that you're so enthusiastic is just makes me more enthusiastic. It's great. And uh, he continues to say, uh, now I'm addicted to it. Laugh out loud. His voice is full of enthusiasm and is very knowledgeable and instance for his Halloween H2O. He reveals that if you know uh, where to look, you can connect the movies to a seamlessly disregarded Halloween 4 through 6. That was awesome. I never knew that. Uh, I, I, I definitely admit I've made some mistakes on various reviews before. You know, I would be talking about somebody, but I would say their name wrong. So, of course, there's going to be some mistakes in my reviews. I apologize for that. Most of the time I can catch that. But if, you know, we all make mistakes. We're all human. But uh, I definitely thank you for your kind words, sir. I, I try my hardest, especially stuff that I love and I'm passionate about. I try to find as much info as I can and just really dissect the material that I'm watching. He really makes the single mic thing work, and therefore it's a nice treat when he occasionally has a guest host on, like in Back to the Future 2 and 3 podcasts. But the great thing is it's isn't necessary for him to have one because he can carry things on his own, which... I don't know if you guys know this, but when Jameson and I did a Monday Night Raw episode, he's officially been the person I've co-hosted the most shows with. So congratulations, Jameson. I I know we didn't mention that on the episode, but I'm glad and honored that you are the person that I podcasted the most with, sir. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to all of our future episodes together. But uh, it's awesome to hear that uh, people still like the fact that it's single podcasts. So that's pretty awesome. This one drawback of the hosting alone, though, there is no one to call him out on his overuse of the word flippin'. I appreciate the lack of profanity, but a couple dozen uses of this word in a podcast is very trying. Can you do a fans a favor, Mac, and stick in freaking every now and then? Uh, which I will definitely change it up for you, sir. I'll try to avoid using both words if possible. Uh, that's one quimble aside. I highly recommend this podcast. Five stars all around. So thank you so much, uh, Adam. Great stuff, man. Really made my day reading this stuff. And I hope you guys in the nation you know, found this uh, email and, and welcome our new STL Nation listener. So if you want to join our group, sir, please do so. And uh, we'd love to have you. So... That is it, guys, for the emails. Let's get to the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and not. Here comes the boys from the sound. Here comes the ready and not. Alright, music spotlight time. Now this song is uh, really awesome. Uh, I found this song a couple weeks ago and I have to say, I believe this song came out in late 2012, but since I've heard it in 2013, this by far so f- is like my favorite song I've heard in 2013. I have a feeling by the end of the year in my top 10, this will easily still be in the top three. Uh, the name of this song is called All In by the band uh, Lifehouse. Now, Lifehouse is a band that uh, a lot of people love. Uh, some people think they're an underrated band. I, I disagree. You'll probably know them from the tune um, Hanging by a Thread. These guys are great. I've never played Lifehouse yet on the show. I've had requests to do it. Well, here you go. This song is great. I love it. kind of starts off. Um, I don't know, man. The, the song speaks for itself. I think this is going to be one of those songs that... After you get done listening to this episode, it's going to be in your head and you're going to want to go and buy it right away. Because I I think within the first week, I listened to it about 15 times. I just couldn't get enough of it. It's a great song. It's called All In. And essentially, uh, you can definitely tell it's uh, a relationship song. And uh, it's it's just really powerful words. And the chorus is just mind-blowingly awesome. So this song kind of has a slow start and just builds and builds. and Well, it, it builds when you hit the chorus anyways. But it's a great, great song. I love it. It's definitely a 10 out of 10 uh, as far as my rating goes on the song. It's great. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, that is it for the overall episode, guys. If you want to write in, please do so at yahoo.com. Or please cc the Gmail address at stlpodcast.gmail.com. Please review the show on iTunes if you have not done so already. I love to hear from you. So if you want to join the Facebook group, it's the STL Nation. Just look that up in Facebook. Love to hang out, talk, just have a good time. Uh, If you like the Underground Hour, the STL Underground Hour has a group as well where we just talk nothing but music. And if you have not checked out those shows yet, please do so. I think you'll enjoy it. At least check out the top 10 music spotlights that I've ever done. That's That's been my most downloaded episode uh, in the past few uh, months has been that one. So it's been good times. And uh, next episode will be Hiding Out with John Cryer and Keith Coogan. And uh, this this movie's great. And uh, go out and find it if you, if you haven't seen it before. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's John Cryer at his best. 
It's essentially a stockbroker that's hiding from the mob and uh, goes back to high school. So it's really awesome. If you guys like uh, wrestling, go check out the D2R podcast. Uh, Me and my friend Ryan and Jamie, uh, we basically broke down the Royal Rumble, talked it up, and uh, we're going to be having some arguments in the next couple weeks. Uh, They don't just talk wrestling. They talk every topic. But I just recently was on there a few times talking wrestling. So if you want to check that out, do so as well. And check out my other buds, my friends. You guys know the work. Jameson, Jason, all my guys. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next episode. Hopefully that will be sometime next week. I'll throw the vote up for some of the big movies I was thinking. And uh, then I'll announce it on the Hiding Out episode on the movie that won. And uh, we'll be on the road to 100 with the Lethal Weapon series starting off and then rolling into uh, the Rocky series. So I'm very excited. So you guys have a great week. You guys take care. Masunas out. Strong.